0: are still continuing in the vein of relationships as we started back in January, Um, but we're going to shift gears just a little bit today. I'm not going to spend a lot of time doing a long introduction about what we're doing because most of the lesson today is an introduction, but we're launching into um, a series on, on purpose and life purpose, and we are going to use as our primary text today, class. The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. Who has, uh, who's read this book? Wait, let's do it this way. Who's got a copy of this book at home? All right, now who's read it? Okay, some people raise their hand. They only not have a copy at home. I wonder how that happened. But uh, anyway, so this is where the majority of this material is coming from. Now, the cool thing is uh, I decided that we were going to move in this vein about a month and a half ago. Uh, as I said a couple of weeks ago, this is something that I've been wanting to do with this class for a long time, but the timing wasn't right. About a month and a half ago, God just started saying, you know what, this relationship stuff, it really fits with what purpose-driven life is like. I need to take that out. I need to look at it again. And sure enough, there it is. Uh, all the relationship material, is, it's in there too. And um, so I, I got the book off of my shelf where it had been sitting. That's actually a lie. It was sitting uh, beside my bed, but um, it's sort of a shelf because there's a bunch of books down there. And whenever I picked it up, um, this uh, a couple of birthday cards fell out. And there was a birthday card in there. I want to read this birthday card to you because um, I know because of the card and, and what's written in the book, I know exactly when I got the book. It was December 9th, 2003, and I had just turned 30 years old. yeah. So, this card fell out, and I was like, oh, what's this? A birthday fable. Two men your age were walking through the forest when they saw a frog. Kiss me, said the frog, and I will turn into a beautiful princess and do anything you want. One of the men then turned and picked the frog up and put her in his pocket. Didn't you hear what she said? cried the other man. She'll turn into a beautiful princess and do anything you want. Man, go ahead, kiss her. Nah. Said the first man, "At my age, I'd rather have a talking frog." <laughs> Happy birthday, Jason, Brian, Nancy, and Cole. That's a good card. That's a good card. I'm glad I held on to that one. But in the front of this book, there's also—I'll I'll try to hold this up. There's there's also a handwritten note from a very sweet person that that gave me this book, and I had forgotten about the note. And uh, so whenever I open this up to start looking at it again, this, this is what I found. It said, December 9, 2003, Dear Jason, I can't believe my boy has reached the big 3-0. I don't think I need to say how proud your dad and I are of you. By God's grace, you are a fine man. Since you were a little boy, I felt that God would use you in a special way. I believe that as a child of his, you know that your purpose in life is to live for him to see his name lifted up, and to spread the gospel, winning souls for Jesus Christ. I know this book is just a man's thoughts, but I hope it will be an inspiration to you and a confirmation of many things you already know. Listen to this next part. How sad to think a person would live their life and come to the end, never knowing their purpose for being here. All my love, Mom. There's just nothing like a note like that from your mama. You know, and, and, and she's right. Um, she, she really realize, didn't realize how right she is whenever she started talking about the different purposes in her little note that she wrote to me. But this book, folks, can be transformative. It, it has the ability to change you mainly because Rick Warren does a very good job of presenting you with Scripture. Um, I, I, I left Nathan a long list of scriptures this morning from the first three chapters. He's shaking his head. He loves it when I do that. Um, I cut out about half of them. You're welcome. Uh, it, it is a book that is infused with scripture, and we know that scripture is a transformative thing. God's word is transformative, but it's also translocative. The book is, and so is scripture. Uh, but this book is translocative. I just made up that word, new word. Just made up by Jason. Translocative. You're welcome. Uh, It can thoroughly change your location. It can change where you are spiritually. And it can change where you are relationally. So we're going to take some time over the next several weeks. And I am going to do my best to not get in a hurry. Because what happens within me is after we've been on something for a while, I I think you guys start to get antsy, and I get antsy, and and I tend to rush. We are not going to rush our way through this. We're going to take our time. It's too important. It's too important to rush through. So we're going to take our time. I I really want you to get this. And I mean, I really want you to get it. I meant what I said a couple of weeks ago, um, that some of you, and some of the people that I was talking to that morning weren't here, but some of them are. Um, some of you are frustrated and some of you are, are frankly miserable because you are casting about for purpose in your life. You've got a lot of nice stuff. You're surrounded by a lot of nice things and some pretty good people, but you still feel this sense of unfulfillment and frustration in your life and you don't know why. You, some of your relationships are shallow and you know that they should not be and, and they feel incomplete to you. Well, folks, I'm going to tell you right now that the thing that you're missing is purpose. You're missing purpose. And I believe that God is going to change that for you as we go through this series and you're going to come out of the other side of it different. Different in a good way. Different in a God way so take notes I left you some note sheets Uh, I hope you saw them whenever you came in Um, I, I want you to take notes I want you to take lots of notes Jesus likes it Jesus likes it whenever you take notes how many of you want to do what Jesus likes okay we're all going to hell how many of you want to do what Jesus likes Jesus likes it when you take notes okay Whew, man. Don't even edit that part out, Nathan. Just keep it in there. We we need a reality check. If you don't take notes, the devil wins. Because what happens is you come in here and you listen and then you leave and you forget. And so take notes. Don't let the devil win. Now, if you want to put it in your phone, if you want to put it in your in some other device, feel free. I went old school because I can't get everybody an electronic device. But I can get you a piece of paper. So... Take some notes. Don't let the devil win. So here we go. Y'all ready? Purpose-driven life, and we're going to throw some other stuff into the mix as we go. We're working on that. We're working on that. Hopefully we'll have that for you by next week, having this form that that you picked up over there uh, in 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 an electronic format that you can edit and put into. Uh, So we'll, we'll try to have that for you by next week, Brother Coley. Big idea number one, it all starts with God. It all starts with God. Colossians 1 and 16, and we're going to look exclusively at the New Living Translation. One thing that Rick Warren does that sometimes gets on my nerves is he throws a lot of different translations at you. And sometimes it seems to me, now he's a multimillionaire, successful pastor. This is the second best selling nonfiction book of all time. Ever. Only surpassed by the Bible. Second best selling book, nonfiction of all time. So he knows a lot that I don't, obviously. But something that he does that gets on my nerves personally is he changes his translations a lot. And sometimes to me, I think, Brian, oh, you're doing that just so you can find a scripture that says it says it the way you want to say it. But if I go back and look at it in the authoritative King James, it doesn't exactly say it that way. He gives some explanations about why he does that in his book. And one of those reasons is actually a pretty good one. Uh, He says that we're so familiar with scripture We'll see a scripture, we think, oh, I know what that says, and we'll just blaze through it without really taking the time to read it. Another reason he does it is because in the English language, we have about 6,000 words, but between Hebrew and Greek, there's over 11,500 words. And so sometimes whenever you translate the Hebrew and Greek down into English, you lose some of the nuances. And so that's why he uses some different translations. Whatever the reason, what I have tried my best to do, except in a few rare cases, is to keep all of this New Living Translation. Just for his sanity back there, whoever else is running that thing. But whenever you read the book, there's a lot of different translations. So Colossians 1 and 16 New Living Translation says this. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. It's all, it all starts with God. It all starts with God. And Christ is the the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made things we can see, the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Everybody say everything. Everything was created through him and for him. The last line in the message paraphrase says this. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. Bertrand Russell, British philosopher, uh, mathematician, logician, historic uh, historian, writer, uh, social critic, activist. He was a Nobel laureate. He died in 72. He was also an atheist. I wonder how that worked. And uh, he said, he said, unless this is an atheist, right? He said, unless you assume a God. The question of life's purpose is meaningless. Coming from an atheist, I find that really profound. Unless you assume a God, the question of life's purpose is meaningless. Repeat after me. It's not about me. It's not about me. The purpose of your life, folks, is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, fulfillment than your peace of mind or even your happiness. The purpose of your life is far greater than your than than your family, than your career, than your legacy, than your success, than your wildest dreams and ambitions. The purpose of your life is greater than that. If you want to know why you were placed on the planet, Carl, you got to begin with God. Got to begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. And there are a whole lot of people that are confused about their life's purpose because they're asking the wrong questions. They're asking questions like, what do I want? What are my dreams? What are my goals? What are my ambitions? What are my plans? What should I do with my life? And those are not they're not bad questions, really. They're not bad questions. But here's the problem. You didn't create yourself. So there's no way you can tell yourself what you were created for. If if I handed you an invention that you had never seen before. And I said, use it. You probably wouldn't know what to do with it. You wouldn't know its purpose. And the invention itself wouldn't be able to tell you. Only the creator of the invention Only the writer of the user's manual would be able to tell you what its purpose is. Folks, you you can't arrive at your life's purpose by starting within. Focusing on yourself won't get you there. You got to begin with God, your creator, because you were made by God and for God. And until you understand that you were created by God and for God, Life's never going to make sense. Now, the flip side of that, the flip side is when people try to use God for their own self-actualization. You were made for God, not the other way around. God wasn't made for you. You were made for God. Life is about letting God use you for his purpose. Watch this. Not you using him for your purpose. Hmm. Because sometimes what we'll do is we'll say, well, I need to get a little bit of God because I've got this dream or ambition and I think he might be able to help me get there. He might help me clean up my life so that I can be a better dad. He might help me clean up my life and and, and get some leadership principles so I can be successful at work. Mm -mm. It's not about using God for your self-actualization. It's about surrendering your life to the purpose that he designed for you to begin with. Job 12 and 10 says, For the life of every living thing. Every living thing is in his hand and the breath of every human being. Finding God's purpose for your life, folks, it isn't about doing more, trying to cram more into your already packed out schedule. Who's got a packed schedule? If you don't talk to me later. It's not about trying to do more, cram more in. It's not about self-help. If that's all I had to offer you, we might as well pack up and go to the house. It's not about setting goals. It's not about aim high, be all you can be. It's not about clarifying your values. All of that stuff is good. It's got its place. But understand this, being successful, being successful and fulfilling your life's purpose are not the same thing. Being successful and fulfilling your life's purpose aren't the same thing. You could reach all of your goals. You could become an overnight Internet sensation with 25 million followers on Instagram and and retire at 25, a billionaire. That would be successful by this world standards. But still, you could do all that and still not fulfill God's purpose for your life. Now, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if that was God's purpose for my life, but so far, it's not really working out that way. So, this series that we're, that we're launching into today is not about being successful, and it's not about you finding yourself. It's about becoming what God created you to be. And if you're sold on that, I got some really good stuff for you. So, okay, okay, Coop, I'll bite. H- how do you do that? How do I become what God created me to be? Well, one thing you could do is you could speculate. You could speculate. Smart people have been doing this for thousands of years. Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, Locke, Kierkegaard. I mean, you could just join in and go on down the line with all of those guys and get in with the speculators. And I don't think they've been doing it for a long time. And, folks, I'll be honest with you, I don't know that we're any better for it. Locke's got some really cool ideas, Kierkegaard, Christian had some really cool ideas, but I don't know that we're any better for it. I don't don't know that the speculation route works. It sure doesn't seem that way whenever I scroll through my Twitter feed anyway. Or instead of speculation, you could try a different route, and that's the route of revelation. Revelation, you turn to what God has revealed in his word. The easiest way to discover the purpose of an invention is to ask the creator, what's this thing for? So here it is. You want to know your life's purpose? I don't care how old you are sitting in here today. If you're 17 or 70. You want to know your life's purpose? Ask God. Ask Him. Because God did not leave us to wander in the dark. To wonder and guess what He's done Done is in his word, he's shown us five purposes for our lives. In scripture, five purposes for our lives in scripture. And we're going to get to all five. I hope hope that interests you a little bit because we're going to cover all five. I'm not going to give you just one. I'm not going to give you four. I'm going to give you all five of things that the Bible says are your purpose in this life. But what I check this out, we're going to look at one scripture right here. And I want to show you three things. Three things, three insights in this one verse of Scripture about your purpose. Ephesians 1 and 11, Nate. It says, furthermore, because we are united in Christ. We have received an inheritance from God for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. We're going to unpack that just a minute. This one verse gives three insights into your purpose. The first one says, furthermore, because we are united in Christ. We are united in Christ. You discover your purpose and you discover your identity through a relationship. Ha, there it is. I told y'all it was coming. You knew we were going to get there. Because we are united in Christ, because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Folks, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ today, I would love to talk to you about it. Because that's where it's got to start. I'd love to talk to you about how to start a relationship with Him if you don't have one. The second thing, the second insight from this one scripture in Ephesians 1.11 says we have received an inheritance from God for He chose us in advance. Chose us in advance. God was thinking about you folks long before you ever started thinking about Him. His purpose predates your conception. He planned it. All out. Before you even existed. And he did it without your input. <laughs> you get to you get to make a lot of choices in life. You, you can choose your career. You can choose your area of study. You can choose your spouse. You can choose your hobbies. But you don't get to choose your purpose. God already did it. He already chose that for you, and he built that purpose into you whenever he created you. Here's the third insight from that one that one scripture in Ephesians chapter one says, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. The purpose for your life fits into this much larger cosmic plan that God has for eternity. And that's what our series is going to be about where your life fits into God's plan for eternity. So quick review. It's not about you. Everything got started and finds its purpose in God. Colossians chapter one. And the Bible shows us where our life's purpose fits into his eternal plan. Now, some of you hear that, that, uh, that line and you think, okay, God's eternal plan. And I'm, I fit in that somewhere, uh, no way no way not me you don't Cooper, you don't know my backstory man you don't know you don't know where I come from I, I'm, I don't even know who my dad is my dad didn't want me so he split before I was old enough to talk I was an accident I heard that growing up Coop you don't know I've spent my whole life feeling the rejection that comes from being someone's inconvenience. Is this where we live? I hear you. I mean, I I touch those feelings every day. I've even thought a few of them myself from time to time, to be honest. I know what it's like to have somebody run out on you. I know what it's like to deal with rejection. So if that's your story today, I get it. Maybe your story's worse than that. Maybe your parents gave you up for adoption. Maybe you don't even know who your parents are. Maybe you're, there's somebody sitting in this room today who's the child of a rape. Maybe you're the victim of abuse. Maybe your mom told you that she should have aborted you. This world is is, is jacked up and messed up. People do some messed up things. But listen to me. Listen to me. You are not an accident. You're not an accident. That's your second big idea. You're not an accident. Isaiah 44 and 24 says this. This is what the Lord says, your redeemer and creator. Watch, watch. I am the Lord who made what? All things. I made all things. I alone stretched out the heavens who was with me when I made the earth. He made all things, even you. I I know what they said. I know what they did. But even you, on purpose, your life is no fluke. Your life is no accident. You're not a mistake and you're not a mishap. Your parents may not have planned you, but God Almighty planned you. There might be illegitimate parents, but there are no illegitimate children in God's plan. He wasn't surprised by your birth. Kara, he expected it. He was looking forward to it. Here's another part of my plan that's about to come together the moment she enters the world. You were conceived in the mind of God. He thought of you and he planned you and you're alive today because God wanted to create you. Wow. Wow. Psalm 138 verse 9 says this. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me. For you made me. God prescribed every detail of who you are. If if I make it to heaven, I'm going to have some questions for God about Some of the details that he decided to include in my life. Just a few things I want to talk to you about, Jesus. Because it wouldn't have hurt the world at all to have another person walking around look like Brad Pitt. Wouldn't have hurt the world at all. Your race, your body, the color of your skin, your hair... You, I know it's hard to believe sometimes when you look in the mirror, but you are custom made just the way God wanted you. He designed your natural talents, He instilled a unique personality within you. Some of you, a really unique personality. Psalm 139 verses 13 through 15 says this. Casey, ugh, this is one we like. You made all of the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. I love this passage in the message paraphrase. Listen, just listen. I don't believe they don't have it up there. Just listen. You know me. Inside and out. You made every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made. Bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. God planned you so carefully. So he also planned when, where, and how his creation would arrive. Think about that. Why would you plan something so carefully and then not plan the when, where, and how? This is all part of his plan. Psalms 139 and 6 lets us know that God planned when you would be born. I'm sorry, 139 and 16. You saw me. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God planned where you were born. He planned when you would be born. He planned where you would be born. Check out. I don't have the scripture up there, but Acts 17, 26, your race, your nationality. That's not an accident. God did that on purpose for his purpose, and God decided how you would be born. God knew that there were two people that possessed the exact genetic code, all of the alleles and chromosomes that would be necessary to make the custom-built you that he had in mind. And God doesn't make mistakes. If God makes mistakes, then we don't need to worry about any of this. We can just go home, enjoy some preseason football, and have a few Budweiser's. If God makes mistakes, there's no reason for us to be here. But he doesn't make mistakes. So we better listen to what he's got to say. And today he's trying to say some stuff to you about you. And what he's telling you in his word that he wrote to you is this. He's saying, I planned you. I made you. I custom built you. And I did it on purpose. And I did it out of love. Relationships. Ephesians 1 and 4 says even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. You were created to be a special object of God's love. God made you, Casey, so he could love you. God made you so He could love you. God made you so that He could have an eternal, everlasting, forever relationship with you. God didn't need to create you. He wanted to create you. Otherwise, He would not have created you with an eternal soul. Understanding that God wanted you that's life changing. That, that's perception altering for me. It, it will crush rejection and it will crush re- insecurities that God wanted me and he wants me forever. I lose sight. Can I just be transparent and tell you I lose sight of that on a day to day basis? I think it would help my concept of myself and what's going on in the world around me if I could keep in my brain, BT. God, you wanted me. You wanted me, and you want me forever. It's hard to devalue that. We don't really understand that, I don't think, in a way that impacts our day-to-day lives. Whenever we look in the mirror and we don't like what we see or we see something on TV or we scroll through someone else's social media highlight reel and we think, my God, why in the world would you make this? I mean, I'm looking at what you did (laughs) and I just don't get it. I love the message paraphrase of Romans 12 and three. It says this. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and what God does for us. What that scripture is saying is this. You won't get it. You're not going to get it until you get him. And you get close to him. You're not an accident. That mess you see in the mirror has a mission. God made everything about you on purpose for his purpose. Albert Einstein said it this way, and I love this. He said, God doesn't play dice. He doesn't play dice. You're not a role of chance to him. Whew. All right. Big idea number three. It's a question. It's a question. What drives your life? What drives your life? Because everyone's life is driven by something. Everyone's life is guided, controlled, directed by something. Well, what's driving yours? Some people driven by guilt. I'm going to blaze through this in the interest of time, but they spend their entire lives Running from regrets, hiding from shame. They allow their past to control their future. You know, whenever Cain murdered his brother Abel, his guilt disconnected him from God's presence. So God told him in Genesis chapter 4, he's like, you're going to be an outcast. You're going to wander the earth. You're going to be restless all the time. That describes a whole lot of people out there today. probably describes even a few people in here today. Wanderer, outcast, restless. Like walkers. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Walkers just shambling through life, right? Empty on the inside, dead from guilt. Yes, I just pulled out a walking dead reference in Sunday school. Look, folks, we might all be products of our past. You can't get away from it, but we don't have to be prisoners to it. You might be a product of your past, but you don't have to be a prisoner to it. God's purpose isn't limited by your past. Moses was a murderer. Gideon was a coward. David was an adulterer and killed his friend. God specializes in fresh starts. He specializes in do-overs. Psalms 32 verses 1 through 2 says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are completed, whose, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Some people aren't driven by guilt, but they're driven by resentment and anger. They hold on to hurts and they never get over them. They, they either clam up due to resentment or they blow up due to anger. And so, look, Jesus knows what they did to you, but you holding on to that hurt only allows him to continue hurting you by wrecking your relationships. Job 5 and 2 says, surely, <laughs> this is so simple, surely resentment destroys the fool. And jealousy kills the simple. If Jesus walked into this room right now, you know what he would say? He would say, man, let it go and live. Let it go and live. I am come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Not that bitter existence that you've been living. Let it go. Some people are driven by materialism. They always want more. The drive to have more. Based on this misconception that more is going to make me happy. More is going to make me important. More is going to make me secure. Did we, do I really need to do this? Come on, y'all. How's that working for you? Did, did the last thing that you bought make you happy? Did the happiness last? Then what makes you think that the next thing that you're planning to buy is going to make you happy? And that happiness is going to last. Man, don't don't get in the crazy car and go to crazy town. It it didn't work the last time. It's not going to work the next time. That thing that you're chasing after is not going to make you happy. If it didn't work last year, last week, last decade, last marriage, it's not going to work this time either. So here's the trap. Here's the trap. You're never going to please everybody. Because some people are driven by approval. Somewhere somebody's not going to approve of what you're doing. You can't live that way. So how, how do we avoid all that? Trying to live for approval and live for materialism and living from resentment and anger. Well, instead your purpose should drive your life. And so what I want to do in the 15 minutes we have left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your purpose should drive your life, your purpose. And I want to give you five benefits of purpose-driven living. Five benefits of purpose-driven living. The first one is knowing your purpose gives meaning to your life. Without meaning, life has no significance or hope. The greatest tragedy, folks, in life is not death, but life without a purpose. I got, I got some scriptures here, but man, I'm really in a hurry. I just want to say to somebody today, because I feel like you're here. If you came in here today and you are hopeless about life, hold on. Hold on. Come be with us for the next few Sundays and let God put some hope in your life by showing you some things about your purpose. Jeremiah 29 11, Amy Riddle. For I know the plans I have for you. They're plans for good, not plans for disaster, but plans to give you a future and a hope. In those days, I love this one. We, we don't ever get to verse 12. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly you'll find me. The second benefit to living a purpose driven life is knowing your purpose simplifies your life. Knowing your purpose simplifies your life. So it gives meaning to your life, but it also simplifies your life. It defines what you do and what you don't do. Your purpose becomes a standard that you use to evaluate what's necessary and what isn't. It allows you to differentiate between what's good and what's great. And sometimes you have to say no to some good things so you can create some margin in your life that you have room to say yes to some great things the power of no. Power of no creates room for great. It can also create room for lazy. So don't be lazy. Focus on great. You know what's impossible? Doing everything that people want you to do. It's impossible to do everything people want you to do. You know what's not impossible? Doing everything God wants you to do. You can do everything God wants you to do. The third benefit is knowing your purpose focuses your life. It focuses your life. You become effective by being selective. Your effort and energy are concentrated on what's important. Without a clear purpose, we just keep changing direction. We're like ADD squirrels out there. Squirrel. There we go. Ephesians chapter five, verses 15 through 17. Got to read you this one. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Think think about a magnifying glass and and what it can do to light. You know, diffused light doesn't really have a whole lot of whole lot of impact. But you can take that same diffused light and focus it with a magnifying glass and you can set a piece of wood on fire. You can set a piece of paper on fire. You can you can set ants on fire and stinging caterpillars on fire. Not that I've ever done that. I've just heard. That's the power. There's nothing. There's nothing quite as potent as a focused life. A life lived on purpose. Paul, Paul wrote two thirds of the New Testament and he he spread Christianity throughout the Roman Empire. Look at what he said in Philippians chapter three. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. If you want your life to have have impact, focus it. Stop dabbling in whatever. Stop trying to do it all. Prune away good activities and do what matters. Never confuse activity with productivity. Because they're not the same. Don't confuse activity with productivity. Number four, we're almost done. If y'all give me two minutes. Knowing your purpose motivates your life. Purpose always produces passion. That's why some of you are struggling to get out of bed in the morning. Nothing saps energy like a lack of purpose. Look at what George Bernard Shaw said. He said, this is the true joy of life. The being used up. For a purpose recognized by yourself as a mighty one, being a force of nature instead of a feverish, selfish little clot of ailments and grievances, complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. Boom. Being used for a purpose. Number five, knowing your purpose prepares you for eternity. People want to be remembered when they're gone. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to leave a legacy. But ultimately, what matters most will not be what others say about your life, but what God says about your life. You were put here on earth to prepare for eternity. So don't live your life to get an earthly legacy and leave that behind. Instead, live your life for an eternal legacy. Because whenever you check out, man, whenever you launch... You leave this world and you step into the next one that's very real. And you're going to stand before God and he's going to ask you two questions. He's going to say, what did you do with the sacrifice that I made for you on Calvary? And the second question he's going to ask you is, what did you do with what I gave you? The talents, the abilities. The first question, what did you do with my sacrifice? That determines where you spend eternity. The second question determines what you do. In eternity. And by the end of the, I, I want you to be able to give God really good answers for both of those questions. So by the time this series is over, you're going to be able to answer both. You're going to be able to answer both. So here's your next steps for this week. Just one. Just one. Very simple question. But I want you to ask. Yourself this question every day for those of you that will engage what's driving my life what's driving my life write it down you might get more than one answer write it down put a note in your phone make a voice memo what's driving my life let God talk to you about it Lord, we're so glad to be here today. Thank you for talking to us through your word. Bless us, keep us, motivate us, show us our life's purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a wonderful Sunday. We'll see you in a few minutes.